Philippians chapter 2. The title of tonight's message is Emulating Christ. Emulating Christ. Two weeks ago, we talked about embracing loneliness. Last week, we talked about experiencing peace. Tonight's message is about emulating Christ. And uh, I hope you're there with me in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 11 verses together of Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll pray and dive in and unpack a bit of this chapter together. Philippians chapter 2, read with me starting in verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we dive into our Bible study tonight, and as we approach this topic of emulating Christ, um, it's a very tall task. Um, So we just pray that you'd be gracious to us, Lord, that you would help us. We just want to be more like your son, Jesus. That is our aim and our goal in life as believers, as followers of Christ. So I pray that you would continue to grow us closer to your son, that you would help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that tonight would just be edifying as we continue to fellowship together after the service tonight. Pray that you would continue to cultivate a spirit of unity amongst the body here at Young Adults. We love you, Lord, and we look forward to diving into your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. How many of you have heard the popular phrase that imitation is the best form of flattery? Let me see those hands. Imitation is the best form of flattery. Um, I, was, I was the king of imitation and, uh, and of emulating my heroes, all right? So as a kid, um, especially, and uh, many of you have, have these stories as well, um, but who remembers Davy Crockett? Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier, all right? I loved Davy Crockett and watching the Davy Crockett movies. I'd put on my, my coonskin cap and, uh, you know, just pretend I was... Just good old Davy. I mean, he was just such a, a, a southern butte, such a, a man of charm and a man of wit, and uh, just good old Davy Crockett. Um, who remembers Mighty Ducks? Mighty Ducks, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Put those rollerblades on after you watch D2, D3. You pretend in that Gordon Bombay is your coach, and you just go out there on the ice, and you just, man, you're just pretending to shoot pucks. I mean, I was 
trying to imitate uh, Charlie Conway and just the, the ducks. I mean, praise the Lord for the mighty ducks. Um, you know, obviously I'm a huge Redskins fan, and so a couple of my favorite players, Daryl Green, uh, Stephen Davis, Clinton Portis, Chris Cooley, I mean, after watching just a good Skins game, just would want to go out, throw the pigskin around, and emulate those heroes. Um, I don't know if many, many of you uh, remember the movie Iron Will. Iron Will. It's, you know, whenever I bring up Iron Will, I'm so amazed at the lack of remembrance to Iron Will. Uh, Trenton, yes, Iron Will. I mean, great movie. It was made, I want to say, mid-90s, maybe early 90s. And um, it was after a true story. A uh, 17-year-old kid entered a dog sled race to save his mother's farm. Just one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> just get choked up. Just thinking about good old Iron Will. And so what I would do after watching Iron Will was, you know, we had a, um, you know, a stool in the kitchen, a kitchen stool, and I would put it down. I'd line up all of my dog-stuffed animals at, outside of the stool, and I would, I would you know, pretend I was doing this dog sled race, so I'd be moving my feet, then hop on the stool and just be ter- twisting and turving and just, just pretend that I was Iron Will. I mean, it was a beautiful thing, and so this was, this was my childhood here, um, a geek, basically, you know, a, just a straight nerd, but that's what you know, we as kids, um, especially when we would watch our heroes, we would then go out and attempt to emulate our heroes. So a lot of who we are, our style, our interests, our hobbies, is really because of the people we've allowed to influence us and who we've chosen to emulate and imitate. And so this is Paul's exhortation to the Philippian church. He says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Well, what mind? What mind are you talking about, Paul? The mind of Christ. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Well, what was Christ's mind? What was his mindset? Well, look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God, uh, NIV says, who being in very nature God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Your translation uh, might say, the NIV, I believe, says, did not con- he didn't consider equality with God even something to be grasped, all right? Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. The NIV says he made himself nothing. Okay, Jesus was not concerned about his popularity or his status. Jesus made himself nothing. And today, we have the problem of feeling the pressure to make something of ourselves and to get our name out there, uh, to boost our followers on Instagram. It's all about the self, how we can make something of ourselves, but Christ's mind, he said, no, I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm going to empty myself. I'm not even going to, even though I am God in very nature, I'm not even going to consider equality with God, something to even be grasped. I'm going to consider myself nothing. And then it also continues to say in verse seven, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Your translation might say servant. It's the Greek word doulos, and it literally means slave. That Christ made himself a servant, a slave. Jesus did not come to the world to be served, but to serve. That's what he says in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, 45. He said, the son of man didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So Jesus' goal and, and ambition here on earth was to serve, do loss. And then it continues to say in verse 8, He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Our culture is all about elevating self. Our culture, and especially our generation, you know, and forgive me that I tend to harp on social media because I don't think that social media is wrong, but it has just become such a pool of the elevation of self in our day and age. You know, the selfie. You know, we live in the generation of the selfie. You know, no joke. This is what I saw on Sunday. Someone was worshiping, hand raised with, with the left hand. Yes, Lord, I praise Thee, Lord. Phone in right hand, selfie of them worshiping. Oh, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, how is this hand, Lord, before You? I'm actually kidding, that didn't happen. But I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Because that's what, our, that's what we do. We gotta, we, gotta, we gotta capture the self everywhere we go. And Christ, it says that he humbled himself. And then it says, it continues to say in verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient, even to the point of his death on the cross. Jesus' humility was directly correlated with his obedience. Jesus' humility was directly correlated to his obedience. How so? Well, if you are proud, you don't give a care in the world to be obedient to any kind of authority above you. Jesus' humility was directly correlated to his obedience because if you have an attitude of humility, then you are going to understand and realize the authority and power of God over your life. So if you need help in this area of just being obedient to the Lord, submissive to the authority that God has put over your life, then you really need to practice on your attitude of humility because it's really pride in which elevates our heart to think that we are better than ourselves by then which we think we don't need to submit or obey the authority by which God has placed in our lives. So Jesus' humility was directly a that directly correlated to his obedience. And Jesus was obedient to the Father in every aspect of his life. It says in the Gospels that Jesus didn't speak anything unless the Father gave him permission to. It even says that down to how Jesus said something. Not even just what Jesus said, but how Jesus actually said something was never went outside the will of God. And you guys know the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus uh, went to the cross, it says that Jesus was literally sweating droplets of blood because he was so anxious and nervous to go to his crucifixion. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. He was not wanting to experience the excruciating pain of the crucifixion. So what did Jesus say in the garden? He says, Lord, if there's any possible way other than the cross, to accomplish redemption of humanity, then please, please let that way be possible. 
But then he finishes, his, finishes with, not my will though, not my will, Father, but yours be done. We live in such a me, 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 I, I, I generation. Jesus relinquished his will, was obedient to the Father. He said, God, not my will, but your will be done. A significant part of Steve Jobs' success was his genius in marketing. All right, He wasn't just able to produce great products, but he had an acute understanding of the spirit of the age, which enabled him to create a brand that really appealed to our culture's uh, deepest longing. Obviously, uh, he named his Apple products the iMac, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, and Jobs knew it was because we live in such an I world that this would then begin to appeal to people because everything revolves around the individual. And so Steve Jobs was very successful at his marketing and with his products because he understood we live in such an I world, such a, such a me generation. He began to name his products with that in mind. And I mean, look at the success that Apple has, has had. Um, so let this mind be in you. Let this mind. Jesus made himself nothing. He took the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient even to the point of death. Paul says, let that mind be in you. Let that mind be in you. Imitate that. Emulate that. Let Christ's obedience, humility, be in you. Let that same mind be in you. May you imitate that. May that be your heart's desire. And may you emulate the character of our Lord Jesus. Listen, your behavior is often correlated to who or what you emulate. And who or what you emulate is often a byproduct of your environment. You want to change your behavior? then ask yourself, who or what am I emulating? And it may mean, therefore, that you have to change your environment. So you know you've got a bad habit of foul language? Is it possible that you've become an emulator of a certain friend group? If so, are you willing to make a change of environment? Does everybody hear me on this? Your behavior is correlated to who or what you emulate. And who or what you emulate is a byproduct of your environment. So if you understand that you have some things in your life that are not good, consider, is it because I am surrounding myself with people that influence my character? And if so, then you have to reconsider the environment by which you're associating with. So everybody needs to understand this. If we're not careful, we will gradually become cultural imitations. And we live in such a day and age where people, you know, we, we want to be unique. We want to stand out. We want to be our own person. But the more you just begin to look like the world, you're not your own person. You're simply just cultural imitators. That's what the Israelites did in Exodus chapter 32. If you know your Bible, you remember Exodus chapter 32 when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt... Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from God. Aaron and the rest of the Israelites were getting really impatient. They said, where is Moses? He's been taken forever to receive these supposed Ten Commandments from God. 
And they looked to Aaron, the brother of Moses, and said, Aaron, let's just start to worship something or someone else. Moses has gone too long. They grew impatient. Aaron foolishly abided by their request. He asked within the Israelite camp, let me collect all of the gold within the camp, your gold earrings, your gold jewelry. He formed a golden calf, set that up in front of the Israelites, and the Israelites started worshiping cow god. And then Moses comes down and he sees this and he's frustrated. He breaks the Ten Commandments and he says, what is going on here? Do you know why the Israelites built that golden calf? It was because they were emulating and imitating what they knew from Egypt. Cow God, calf God was one of the Egyptian gods. So they started to emulate what they knew from their culture. That's why God wrote in Leviticus chapter 19, he said this. In Leviticus 19, God says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the dwellings, to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. This was Israel's problem. Even when they got into the land of Canaan, they started imitating their neighbors. They adopted the cultural practices of their surrounding land, and they became imitators of their culture. But really, everyone just wants to stand out. We want to be strong. We want to be our own person. But when you go outside of the Word of God and you just begin to look like the world, you're not your own person. Don't fool yourself. You've just become cultural imitations. This was Israel's problem. So if you really want to live up to your full potential, if you really want to find out your true identity and who God originally created you to be, let this mind, verse 5 of chapter 2, be in you, be imitators of Christ, fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ and imitate all of what you see his life be about within the Gospels. If you really want to stand out, you really want to stand up for truth, you will really want to be your own person, you really want to live a life to your fullest potential, then drown out the noise of the world and get into the Gospels and look and see how did Jesus live his life. That mind is going to be in me. That's what Paul is talking about here. Let this mind be in you. It says in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 5, Ephesians 5, 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God For a sweet-smelling aroma. For a sweet-smelling aroma. So what's Paul talking about in Ephesians? He's saying, listen, the more you imitate God, the more you're going to be a sweet-smelling aroma. You guys know that who or what you hang around most, you will begin to smell like. All right? You go to Chinese restaurant, you're going to be smelling like fried rice and and chicken the rest of the day. I mean, you're going to be start, start to just smell like a fortune cookie. There's going to be a giant fortune cookie walking around. 
All right, my wife, when I get home at the end of the day, you know, I go on a lunch break, get home around 5.30, my wife knows exactly where I ate at lunch. Pot bellies, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you reek of pot bellies. The more you begin to surround yourself with certain people, don't be fooled, you will begin to smell exactly like that person. Now, I'm not talking literally. That would be weird. That would be gross. But when we then more so, more so spend time with Jesus, spend time with the Lord in His Word, we will actually begin to have that sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord and to others. People know who you've been hanging around by the way you talk and the way you walk. It's just true. People know exactly who you've been around by the way you talk, the way you walk, what you wear. People will know if you have or not been with the Lord, depending on how you smell spiritually. People will know whether you've been with the Lord. I mean, I love in, I believe it says in Acts, that some of the disciples were evangelizing. And these were common fishermen, the Bible says. All right, some of them even illiterate, illiterate. they couldn't read. And when they were evangelizing to people, I love when it says the people knew that these disciples had been with Jesus. The people knew that these disciples had been with Jesus because of their attitude, because of the way they talked, because of their body language. People will recognize you by the aroma you give off and it's either going to be good or bad. It's going to be of the Lord or it's going to be of the world. This is what Major Ian Thomas said. Major Ian Thomas served in the British Expeditionary Force in Belgium uh, at the outset of World War II, and he actually took part, um, took part in the evacuation at Dunkirk, uh, Major Ian Thomas. And he was a believer, and he said this, We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, like hands fitting into a glove. He is the hand. People see us. They see our movement. They see our impact. They feel the squeeze of our life, the warmth of the hand. They can't see Him but through the glove. And so the glove appears regularly on the surface of life and people spot it when there is peace in our lives because there isn't peace in our world. And when we slip on that glove, when we slip on that glove, the glove imitates every movement of our hand. I mean, you guys know this, when you, whether you're wearing football gloves, you're playing football, whether you're working outside, you're wearing work gloves, whether it's cold outside and you put on your snow gloves, your, your gloves completely imitate and emulate every single movement of your hand. Now, why is that? It's because your hand is living inside the glove. And when you invite Christ into your life and Christ is living in you, the Bible then calls us to emulate every movement of the Lord. But even though the people can't see the Lord, they see the glove. Therefore, they see the movement of the Lord in you. So I want you to remember that. That when you profess to know Christ, you therefore have asked Jesus to be in living in you. And then He calls us to emulate all of His movements for His glory. And people then... Though they might not see Jesus, they will see Jesus living inside of you by the way you emulate Him. 
and by the way you imitate His movements. And the only way we can truly emulate the Lord is by knowing more about Him, by getting into His Word, by studying it. Uh, Peter says that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So ask yourselves tonight, who or what are you imitating? Who or what are you emulating? I pray and I hope that for the glory of the Lord, we do our best to emulate Christ. Let's pray. Lord, that is our heart's desire, is to emulate your Son, Jesus Christ. In everything that we do, everywhere that we go, Lord, we want to imitate your Son, Jesus. We want to look like your Son, Jesus. So I pray, God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to help us, that we would truly just dig out your word, find out more about Jesus, that we might emulate his life, that we might be obedient, that we might just consider ourselves nothing, that we would just be, be servants in the world, Lord, that we wouldn't look to be served, that our ambition in life wouldn't be to be served, but it would be to serve other people, that we would always have an attitude of humility and that we would follow you all of our days. But we're going to need your help, God. We're not perfect. We are imperfect people. So I pray that you would fill us with your perfect presence when we are so grateful that your grace goes deeper than our sin, Lord. Where sin runs deep, your grace runs deeper. And so I pray that you would pick us back up, Lord, when we have fallen, when we have sinned against you, that we would come to you and repent of sin, Lord, and that we would always be focused on trying to emulate and imitate your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we'd go back home and we would be imitators of God. I pray that we would go back to work and that we would be imitators of God. I pray that we would go back to our schools and be imitators of God. Wherever we go, Lord, may we always be mindful that we are representing You and that we are called to emulate Your movements, Lord. So again, help us and may Your grace go before us. We love You, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.